Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. Um, This is Gardening Naturally, Sunday morning. Not too bad a temperature right now. Going to be about 105 or 6 degrees today um okay (laughs) we're not getting out of our heat wave at least through the rest of this week and possibly longer i was watching the news and they were talking about how we've had 52 days above 100 degrees like that's got to be some kind of record well They answered that for me. It isn't. 90 is the record. And we're not even in the top 10 yet. So it could get much worse. And we just have to be ready for it. Now, when you finally get ready to head outside, when we start getting... um, rain if we manage to get rain we have some things we're going to have to do to try to return to normal and by that what i mean is we have dried the soil out so much from lack of rain not being able to provide water that all that microbiology that we really need, all that soil biology that does the actual work of helping a plant grow has died. Yeah, um, without water, living things, they, they have to have water. And we haven't. And I'm not talking about you going out with your hose and, you know, watering the ground. That does help. But for such a small area, we need a countywide watering day. Lots of water. We got to hope for the slow rain because if it comes too fast, it won't be able to soak in and it'll run off, and then we get flash floods. But at the point where we can finally, we're getting rain, we can start watering again, we can keep that soil moist, we're going to have to replace a large amount of the organic matter. Now, talked yesterday about using things like liquid molasses. It's super easy to apply. It is nothing but carbohydrates, sugars. And that's what this soil biology eats, reproduces with. You can use the various other products like Medina Soil Activator, things like that. But we're going to have to be really pushing it as soon as we can get out there, as soon as we get water and hopefully rain. We need to start restoring that soil because each time this happens, we wipe out a whole bunch of the biology. It can't keep going because it doesn't have water. And if we don't restore it, 
our soil is going to get worse and worse. This season's tomatoes, next season, nowhere near as many, not as good. We, we need to be able to approach this as <clears throat> we need to do some repair. Um, we need to do some repair as soon as we have the ability to do so. If we are going to start getting uh, some rain again, this is cover crop season. We will be coming into fall, hopefully, where the temperatures are less and we can do the fall cover crops. That will be the easiest, fastest, most efficient way to restore the soil biology. All that organic matter, all those nutrients being stored in those roots. If we can get clover, um, vetch growing in our garden beds as soon as possible, it will help improve that soil for next spring. Now, what about your yards? Well, as hot as it is right now, and as much water as it will take to try to get sod started, we really can't do a whole lot about them. Even if you try to put down seed, you have to have pretty consistent water every day. And we don't have watering cycles that let us do that. We don't have enough water to do that. And that's going to be getting worse if we don't get rain soon. So you can grit your teeth. I know how you feel about it, but not do anything. Wait until we get the rain to help us out. And then once we get it, one of the things you can use, hopefully, when the temperatures are dropping off, is things like ryegrass. Ryegrass will stay uh, green and growing to a much colder temperature than things like uh, St. Augustine or Bermuda. And as such, <clears throat> when it's growing and you're done with it, it's usually too hot for the rye and it will start to die out letting your other grass start to have the ground. Well, rye also sets good roots. So as it dies off, it's adding organic matter to the soil. And, you know, another good thing about it is once we start getting a little rain, if you do the rye grass, we're talking mid-September or later, you won't have bare ground. If you have pets or kids, um, bare ground and rain needs mud baths. And that's something that the ryegrass can help repair until such time that your turf gets built back up. That, top dressing, molasses, seaweed, the soil activator products, 
we're going to have to really take a deep dive into those to try to recover, um, to try to recover our turf and soil. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a quick break. I'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Let's go to the phone. This is Cecilia. Hey, Jeff. Good morning. Um, would you talk about when's the best time to fertilize um, citrus trees, if it is, like lemons, limes, oranges, um, and berries, specifically blueberries and blackberries? Okay. Citrus is greedy. If you are using something like cottonseed meal, because citrus loves nitrogen more than any other one of the numbers, you could do that once a month. If you were using fish emulsion, something like the 511 fish emulsion, you could do that every two weeks. Citrus really, really is greedy. It is highly unlikely that you'll ever burn it out fertilizing at that rate and that way it'll always have the nutrients it needs for new growth creating a new structure for you and being able to bloom and produce fruit and you can do that almost all year long new growth has one problem when we get a freeze if you are moving the trees inside or covering them you can probably fertilize them once a month, every month. Okay. Now, as and for... And nitrogen. Higher. We higher, okay. Do, yeah, we don't do really big numbers. Uh, Cottonseed meal is like a seven, and the fish emulsion is a five. See okay. where we're going here? We, we want yeah. it to be available to them, but we don't need, like, the aluminum products that are 22 and above that's not necessary okay now blackberries blackberries kind of a trick if they're getting full sun and you are cutting out the old canes the ones you've picked all the fruit off of already if you cut those out they don't really require a whole lot of attention and to make it really squirrely, because of our soil, normally we think to make fruit, you need lots of that middle number, phosphorus. Well, the problem is high phosphorus fertilizers will tie up certain nutrients that blackberries need. So that's another one where if you are fertilizing, um, like right after a full harvest, Maybe, maybe you use the fish emulsion because that'll help produce new canes and next year they'll flower and you'll get fruit off of them. Blueberries. Okay. Blueberries are pretty much, they want the nitrogen also. 
but it, you would only want to fertilize if they're not producing good growth. Okay. So if you go out there and they're really growing well, you got lots of new stems and leaves and it's putting on blooms for you, I don't know that you really need to fertilize it. Okay. One thing you can do that they would like, I'm going to assume you have them in containers? No, they're in the ground. I live in an area where the soil is um, good for them, so. Oh, okay. Okay, one thing you can do that might help is once a year go and get some uh, worm castings. Okay. They're a soft fertilizer. They've got lots of good minerals in them, and you can top dress around the plant um, half an inch thick, maybe, and that way you're sure that all the minerals, all the goodies that it needs are at least available to it. Now, it may not need them, but it's, um, it's a worthwhile investment. It'll help keep the soil happy and healthy, and that means happy soil, happy plant. So, and regarding the blueberries and fertilizing with the worm castings once a year, does, does that matter when? Did you say when? I would do it during cooler weather. If okay. you're comfortable, if you're comfortable outside to do it, then it's probably okay for the plant. But if you right now is no, don't don't go okay. outside. That's for you as much as it is for the plant. Got it. Okay. Um. Oh, I forgot to ask. What about the? Would you mind touching on the other fruit like pears, apples, um, plums? Um, pears are pretty reliable around here. They don't require a lot of fertilizer, and um, too much fertilizer on a pear can induce a fire blight. Oh. So just just compost around the tree should be more than enough. Apples, um, again, about the same thing. You'll benefit more from thinning the fruit on apples and pears so the tree isn't overloaded. And a good layer of compost around the base of the tree, that will really help them uh, get good deep roots, be nice and healthy, and have what it needs for the fruit. Uh, thinning will give you the biggest fruit. So if your tree puts on 100 fruit, and a pear can easily do that, if your tree puts on 100 fruit, you wanna thin that out. You want one pear per cluster. So that'll be the biggest pears, the best tasting, the sweetest that you can get off the pear. The apple, um, about the same, say four inches from one apple to the next. What about plums? Uh, you can treat them like a peach. If you're getting plums, I congratulate you. I usually wind up, uh, and most people wind up with plum curculio, which mm -hmm. you take a bite out of the plum and you wonder where's the other half of the worm. 
Well, this is the, we just put them in the ground earlier this year, so we haven't. Well, you have about four to five years before they're going to produce. Right. So that's why I was wondering, while they're new, I mean, should we be fertilizing? Um, But it sounds like primarily it's putting compost around. Correct. Around them. Correct. Okay. You can do that twice a year if you want to encourage them. An inch deep is a lot of compost, but a couple of times a year during the cool weather should give you good results and get those trees growing quickly. And you said the plum, treat them like a peach. What does that mean? Uh, they, they take about the same care as a peach does. So if you've got peaches, however you're treating them, you can do the same with the plum. I don't know what to do for the peach. So what is that? I mean, could you give a little more information as to what to do, how to treat the peach? Um, you have to prune it every year. The plum wants to be pruned also. You have to, uh, if you're putting compost around it every year, I don't know that you have to worry much about fertilizing. Okay. All right. Sorry if you heard texting on along the way. I was taking notes on my phone. <laughs> That's fine. Thank you. I have to break for the news. I appreciate okay. the call. Uh, folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, gardeners. <clears throat> Hot day. I uh, want to go over something again why I talk about the soil biology being so crucial. All of those little critters, from the smallest bacteria to the fungi to the little creepy crawlies you find uh, running around, they all have a responsibility in decomposing the organic matter. They turn it into a lower form of nutrient and break it down. Then somebody else can come along and do the same thing. And whatever's left over, someone else can come along and break it down. What we get is we get closer and closer to just the elements that we need. Now, one thing about that there are a lot of nutrients in the soil, excuse me, nutrients that a plant needs. But part of the problem with that is they could be sitting in a pile of it. Like we could um, take a plant, it needs iron, and we can turn around and put it in, uh, grow it in powdered iron. And you know what? It might not pick up any iron nutrient because iron needs to be in a form that can go through the cell wall, be picked up by the roots. It has to be soluble. Now, most of these little critters, that's one of their jobs. 
to take those kind of nutrients and turn them into a form that can be used by the plant. That makes sense. They work together. These conditions we've been experiencing gives us a little bit of a problem. The very biology we need dies from lack of water. As a result, we've got a bunch of the nutrients, but they're in forms that the plants can't use. So once we get out of this heat disaster, we need to restore all of those little critters to give them an opportunity to take those nutrients and convert them into forms that the plants can use. The only way we can do that is to redevelop the soil by adding moisture and organic matter for these critters to eat. So we've got our work cut out for us once we get out of this unbelievable oven of heat and lack of moisture. Let's go to the phone. This is Ken. What can I help you with, Ken? Good morning. Got a question about uh, borers and peach trees and plums. I've got about 14 to 16 peach trees and uh, plums in total. And this year I've noticed, uh, I don't know if it's drought, uh, aggravated, but I've got quite a bit of them when I water around them. I see the little gel oozing out of them, and I'm not sure how to approach that with that many peach trees. There really isn't a solution here. The tree can survive the borer if it's healthy. So if they're getting water, if they're getting the nutrients they need through the the soil, meaning compost, the heat stress is contributing to these bugs having a field day. But once you see the, well, and there's two things to look at when you say you see the sap coming out of the tree. If it is smooth flowing and kind of like, you know, imagine maple syrup dripping in the winter. If it looks like that, you probably have a borer and he's already gone. The tree is trying to heal its wound by flushing out that sap. But if the sap, if the stuff that's coming out is a gel, looks like a, has the texture of a jelly and it has edges to it. It's not that smooth flowing drip of sap. That could be a disease. The disease is called a disease. The disease yeah, is called. The, the uh, disease I noticed is, that when I water around one or two specific trees, I get the gel that starts oozing out of them almost immediately. It, it coincides with watering. If you have the disease, that's called gummiosis. And there are treatments for it. I would go to. Um, Texas AgriLife, the Texas A&M site, 
Yes, sir. And they will have discussions on how to treat the pears, plums, peaches, those kind of plants when they get this particular kind of problem. Now, again, a healthy tree can resist the borers. It doesn't mean the borers won't still damage them, but they can generally resist the borers as they attack. So you still want to do all you can to make sure that the tree has, you know, the right amount of water. You've trimmed and pruned it properly. Are there, is there any fruit left on any of those? Uh, there's fruit left on a couple of them, but with the inconsistent water, the fruit didn't mature properly. And I mean, you know, small, dry. So I've just started pulling them and disposing of them. But the trees, all the trees are healthy. I mean, or appear healthy. Their leaves, uh, the bark. It's just a couple of these nagging problems with two trees. And, you know, I've tried poking them with a, uh, paper clip to yeah. the head of it, but the gel is the what confuses me because it just starts popping out up about waist high to where the branches start forking, and sometimes you'll see it out of the actual peaches themselves. Okay, coming out of the peaches is probably from an insect bite. Okay, generally leaf-footed bugs. Not always, but they're a pest. They bite the peach. The peach throws sap out to try to flush out what the bug is. Part two, the anything that you use for borers will unfortunately, if you're using something to kill the borer that may be in the tree, that means you have to use a systemic and the systemic goes into your fruit. So you're gonna check and look at the, the Texas A&M website. They're gonna talk about applying things after harvest. So if you're doing some of those things, get rid of all the fruit to make sure that you're not gonna have a problem. But yes, um, they will have various solutions to the two problems that you're looking at. Well, I appreciate it. This was a valuable call because I've actually never heard that term. I've dealt with borers for 20 years on peaches and some years are good, some are bad. You know, the water yeah. consistency, the heat, the cracking of the ground, snapping roots, it's been a problem, but we enjoy the peaches and I will look up the gummiosis disease and see if I can figure out a strategy to attack that. That that can help. At least it keeps the, the trees healthy again, so you're still getting that good harvest. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for the call, Ken. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Uh, I need to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Welcome back, folks. Um, Ken there had a problem with borers in his fruit trees. That is not at all uncommon with fruit trees here in Texas. Peaches and plums 
will both have uh, bores in the wood itself. Now, he said that he had attempted something that it's sort of an old wife's tale where you take a paper clip and you shove it in the hole where the sap is coming out. And the idea is you're going to kill the boar. Well, the problem with that is the boar has already left. Yeah, it's already wound up getting into the plant and uh, pupating, becoming mature, and came out of the tree already, chewed its way out. Those holes are not entrance wounds, they're exit wounds. Sometimes borers can arrive uh, via the roots. And those roots will wind up being the borer chews into them and up the tree it goes. A healthy tree can survive the borers. So always provide your tree what it needs to be happy, healthy, and produce good fruit. And that will be one way to reduce borer damage. But the reality is most of our peaches and plums wind up, um, it shortens their lifespans. So healthy environment, healthy tree, less of a problem. Let's go to the phone. This is Coy. Coy, what can I help you with? Hey, good morning, Jeff. Yes, sir. Hey, I was wondering, we got a lime tree. It's, it's, uh, this is the second year. And it's doubled in size. I've got it. It's about, I don't know, 18 inches tall. Now it's probably three, three and a half foot tall. And I was just curious how long it takes for them to produce. Question one, is it in a container or in the ground? Yes, sir. It's in a container. Excellent. So long as you never let it touch freezing temperatures, there is a possibility that it could still produce fruit even this year. You'll see the flowers come out. It'll look beautiful. And some of those may actually turn into limes. If it doesn't, that's not a bad thing. Citrus uh, like nitrogen. it? Yeah. Uh, there's a product called cottonseed meal. You can put yep. some of that on about once about a that month. Earlier. Yeah, and the fish emulsion products work really good, too. Remember, a lime wants really good draining. They can't stand wet roots. So overwatering them, you don't want to do that. Number two, they can't handle a freeze at all. If it's going to be freezing, you need to bring the plant inside or put it somewhere where it won't be exposed to the freezing weather. But even at only two years old, there's a good possibility that it could produce some limes for you before this year is over. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. That'd be awesome. First time, first lime tree. Yeah, yeah, and they they are usually 
uh, next year they'll be an even heavy produce, heavier producer. I mean, um, I had a lime and there were probably 40 or 50 limes on it at any one time for a whole summer. Oh, wow. So I got, yeah, I got quite a harvest out of it. Uh, had to find out, figure out what to do with it. Consider squeezing them, getting the juice, uh-huh. and pouring it into an ice cube tray. And then yeah. freeze it. And that way you can store the juice for a very long time. There you go. Good deal. I appreciate uh, all the info. Uh, thanks and for the call, Corey. Once a month? Should I have some fertilizer once a month? Is that what you were saying earlier about the citrus? Yeah. Trees? Yeah. If you're using cottonseed meal, once a month should be enough. Okay. Let's see it. Well, enjoy them when you start getting them because you'll be getting a lot of them. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. You have a good weekend. You too. Thank you for the call. Yes, folks. Citrus can produce earlier than many of the other fruiting trees. Citrus has this weird thing it does, though. Let's say you had a citrus tree, and this year it was covered with blossoms, and you maybe even got some fruit off of it. Next year, you may not get a bloom. There's nothing wrong with the tree. Young trees, small young trees, can do what's called alternate bearing. One year, lots of flowers and some fruit. The next year, not so much. The year after that, we're back to producing fruit. The older the plant gets, the more stable its fruiting cycle is. You'll start working your way to, I get about the same amount of fruit and bloom every single year. But when they're really young, not so much. You may get an unbelievable amount of fruit, and then you may get none. There's nothing wrong with the tree. That's just how they do their stuff, and you should expect it for a brand new or young tree. But as it gets older, it will produce better. And I had to make something really clear here. I had to ask if it was in a container or in the ground. Unless unless you live in a truly tropical environment, limes should not be planted in the ground. 32 degree temperatures will freeze off the top of the lime. And since they're grafted, you won't get a lime when it comes back. That's the big lie of the lime. It'll freeze to the ground and it'll start coming back and you'll be like, oh, my lime is still alive. Not really. The graft is alive, not the actual lime that you want to produce fruit. It is disappointing, it is crushing, but if you keep your lime so that it is never exposed to freezing temperatures, it'll do just fine. And it will produce 
lots of fruit for you. I remember years where I would have flower bud, flower blossom, little itty bitty started fruit, lime and lime to pick all at the same time on the same plant. They're great if you keep them from freezing. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Uh, Got to stop at the top of the hour for the news. I will catch you all on the other side.